right, everybody, welcome to AIIW News. This is episode 11 on 4-3-2023, so April 3rd, 2023. Thank you for joining me. We have an interesting episode planned for today. So we'll just jump right on into it, and we are going to be talking about a few topics today. The number one thing we won't be talking about is the Donald Trump uh, indictment and him going to New York City for that. Uh, so I think you'll get that news plenty of other places. It's really just nonsense at this point. We'll see what happens with that trial as it progresses. <clears throat> so today uh, we are going to be talking about, uh, we'll start off with book bans. So as book bans gain favor, some libraries could go. So they're thinking about getting rid of libraries. This is by Elaine S. Povich. That's an article in Pew. And it says, Amid the national uproar about whether to allow students access to a wide variety of books, the superintendent of a Virginia school district this week proposed a sweeping solution, get rid of school libraries altogether. Mark Taylor, who leads the district in Spotsylvania County, Virginia, suggested at a recent school board meeting that eliminating libraries would be a cost reduction measure, saving $4.2 million in anticipation of $18 million in budget cuts. But parents were out in force at the meeting, and many decried the idea of cutting libraries, saying they are essential and eliminating them would be a disservice to children. None of the parents or community members were officially allowed to speak at the public meeting, but some stood in the back of the room holding signs with slogans such as we deserve better and fund our schools. So my personal opinion as a Christian, I don't think that it is conscionable for you to have your children in public schools at this point. They're a vile cesspool of horrifyingly evil things, just a whole host of evil things that your children will be exposed to that there is zero need for them to be exposed to. Uh, there is such an easy path to educating your own children, either in the comfort of your own home or through vendors and services that exist outside of your home, but are completely 100% parent directed. Especially with the internet, there is an infinite library of books and knowledge for your children to uh, explore and to partake in. Well, I guess it's not infinite, but as far as your children are concerned, or as far as any one human is concerned, it's basically infinite. There's enough reading material that you'd never have to stop. So, in a certain sense, I agree that libraries are rather superfluous at public schools, but I believe that public schools are entirely superfluous, and uh, that children shouldn't be going there to be educated and indoctrinated by uh, things that are completely antithetical. Christianity. Um, so that's my thoughts on schools as far as whether or not schools should have libraries. Yeah, I think that if there's a school that still exists, it should probably have a library so kids can go and read on something that isn't a tablet or a computer screen. Um, but it's very simple. Don't have sexually, sexually explicit material in schools for children to read. That's what everyone is mostly upset about. There's probably some other people that are upset about witches or witchcraft or some other stuff as well. Uh, those may or may not have merit. I'm not going to discuss that. But most of what parents are upset about today has to do with the fact that there is sexually explicit material in children's uh, libraries at schools. And I think that's just completely unconscionable. 
It's part of the attack on our children and on our society that our government and uh, those in power have been uh, slowly and methodically advancing for decades. That's what happens when you give over the education of your children to people who are not Christians. And I think that's something that we should, as Christians, be very aware of. Like I said, I think it's unconscionable to have a child in public school uh, for anybody at this point, not even just Christians. I think it's unconscionable for any person of any, with any amount of um, thinking to have your children still be educated by other people who don't care about them. That's, that's ultimately the problem, is that the, in the educational system, there's a lot of teachers who do care quite a bit. But there's just as many, if not more, that could not care less. And in a 30-person classroom, it's impossible for that teacher to care about your child individually enough to actually create a better learning environment. They would have a far better learning environment if either the parent directed their education directly from home or if they were to go out and find smaller venues where teachers outside of the public school system uh, have set up shop and are teaching children completely 100% parent-directed. So that's what I would have to say. Uh, I think that school districts are an entire drain on the government budget that shouldn't exist, but I also believe that most things the government does today shouldn't exist either. So that's where I'm coming from on this one. I think that it's a very important topic for us to think about and discuss, and, and especially as Christians, for us to debate whether or not we should or shouldn't have our children in schools. And I'm not saying that anyone who puts their children in or puts their child or children in a public school is is evil or wrong. People have different opinions from me. They're they're entitled to those. I could be completely off base. And so I'm open to the discussion, but that's where I am coming from uh you know kind of my de facto position is that schools need to be shut down and the funding should be given back to the parents so that they can direct their own children's education. Uh, so that's where I'm at on that. And so I think that would rather easily solve this whole conundrum. Just don't have the government be involved in indoctrinating your children. That's your job as a parent. So we will move on to our second story. It says NASA names first female and black astronauts to go to the moon in Artemis II mission. So it's a little bit uh, disingenuous. Go to the moon is a rather broad term. It doesn't say they're landing on the moon, doesn't say they're going to set foot on the moon, but they will go and they will be orbiting around the moon. Um, so NASA has announced the four-person crew for Artemis II mission, which will set the stage of the first woman and person of color to step on the moon. This is in the Mirror. I believe it's a UK-based uh, publication. Um, this was by Christopher Buckton and Fiona Leishman. So NASA has today announced the four astronauts who will travel around the moon on the next Artemis mission. The joint project between NASA and the Canadian Space Agency will see three Americans and one Canadian taking flight. The team will be made up of Americans Victor Glover, Christina Hannock-Cock, and Reed Weissman, along with Canadian Jeremy Hansen. It includes the first woman and first person of color who will eventually go on to step onto the surface of the moon itself. An announcement was made at a media event at the NASA Johnson Space Center's Ellington Field in Houston, Texas. People tuned in from around the world to watch the announcement. 
The Artemis II mission will be the first crewed mission on NASA's path to establishing a long-term presence on the moon. So, uh, this is a rather important announcement. I'm very excited that the United States is finally going back to the moon, and it's really cool that there's going to be a... Uh, it's really cool that there's going to be a uh, presence of... Uh, sorry, <laughs> I got distracted by a little pop-up that doxed myself there. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, Uh, yeah, it's really cool that it's going to be the first international mission to the moon. So there's going to be a Canadian as well as three Americans. That's a really cool thing that we're doing. Personally, I'm, uh, I, you know, I'm happy that there are all sorts of people that are being considered for these moon missions. I think that there were probably some issues with race back in the 50s and 60s when they were making the original determinations on who should go to the moon. Um, so... I'm happy that those were not as much of a factor, but I think that we run the risk of going too far in the other direction. My opinion is that everyone should be allowed to apply for this program and that the absolute best should be the ones that are picked. It shouldn't be based on your race or your skin color. Um, so we have a Bible verse for this. Um, it comes to us from Galatians 3.28. And it says, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are, all, you are all one in Christ Jesus. And really what the entirety of the Bible teaches is that we are all part of the human race. It describes other groups of people as families. That's what we see in Genesis when after the Tower of Babel, everything kind of disperses and spreads across the face of the globe. They are dispersed and spread about as families, not as races, not as different, uh, you know, gen not as genetically different or special people, but as all part of the human race. And since then, you know, some people have dark skin, some people have lighter skin, some people have all sorts of different colors of skin, and I think it's absolutely beautiful, and I, I believe that's what God believes as well. And so to make decisions based off of one's skin color or on their sex, I think that that's the incorrect way to be making decisions. I think that they should be made based entirely on merit. And I think there would be plenty of people of all different stripes that would be able to meet the, the, the merit-based qualifications. So that, that to me, I think, is an issue that we are making determinations based on skin color, but uh, there's nothing that I can do about it other than oh, complain on a news podcast. So that's what I'm doing. <laughs> All right, uh, I uh, inadvertently skipped our Bible reading for the first uh, for the first uh, story, so I'm gonna go back and do that. It was about book bans and then gaming them gaining favor in some libraries potentially, and it says wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and in all you're getting, get understanding. That comes from Proverbs four seven, and I think that goes along with my point that I was making about how we should be educating our children from our home or from a place of complete parent direction. Uh, I think that it's important that we are the one that parents, not we, I'm not a parent. I think it's important that parents are the ones that are in charge of the educational experiences that their children have. 
Uh, so those are the first two stories. We're going to move on to an unfortunate one. This is a tornado outbreak that hit hard across a bevy of states. So this is from AccuWeather, and it's by Thomas Leffler. Uh, and it says, The destruction caused by a plethora of tornadoes on Friday, March 31st, and early Saturday, April 1st, cast a wide net impacting states across the South and Midwest. As of Sunday morning, the tornado, the tornado outbreak has been responsible for at least 32 fatalities, according to the AP. Nearly 100 preliminary tornado reports were sent to the National Weather Service's Storm Prediction Center, with several of the tornadoes causing widespread damage. As of Monday morning, the National Weather Service had confirmed 66 tornadoes. So here is a map. Uh, so I believe that in this scale, it goes from zero and the farther you go up the scale, the more intense the uh, tornadoes are, with EF4 being the largest one recorded in this series of tornadoes. And so I, my heart goes out to anybody that's affected by this horrible weather. It's, it's always a tragedy when people are uh, displaced from their homes or from their work or are hurt or unfortunately even killed. And uh, these, these sorts of events happen quite frequently in the Midwest. Uh, we are the tornado capital of the world here in the United States. We have more tornadoes than anywhere else, and it, it has to do with uh, the east and the west coasts. What happens is the Appalachian Mountains on the east coast and the Rockies on the west block a lot of the winds that would come in from, the, from those directions. And so what happens is a lot of the winds come in from the uh, south and from the north. Uh, cold wind from the south and north wind comes up, or sorry, cold wind from the north, warm wind from the south, come up and cause these horrible, horrible natural events. And it's, you know, like I said, it's absolutely a tragedy that they, uh, that they take place. And again, my heart and my prayers go out to those that are affected by this, and especially to the rescue workers that are, I'm sure, working tirelessly to remove people and animals and, and, and things from the different debris that's fallen and collapsed on top of them. I, I, I pray that God uh, works in and through them to absolutely take care of those who are in need. And that's the wonderful thing about the United States and, and Americans is that we uh, get into action and, and go and help our, our neighbors. And that, that it's a biblical thing. You know, it says treat your neighbor as yourself. And if I was stuck under a collapsed building, I'd want my neighbors to come and save me. And I think that's what a lot of people here in the United States do, and they take that to heart. So our Bible verse for this story comes from Psalm 46, 1 through 2, and it says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. And as Christians, we have 100% guaranteed hope in our eternal salvation, we can know that we will be saved by God if we have a personal relationship with his son, Jesus Christ. We have faith in him and in his resurrection, and we repent of our sins. Those are the things you need to do in order to have complete and total security in these sorts of disasters. So I hope and I pray that, that everyone involved uh, finds faith in Jesus Christ. Um, and yeah, so uh, that's, that's where we're at for this story. It's very sad, and, and I, I pray for the best. We'll move on 
to something that is going to impact all of us. Even if you drive an electric car like myself, uh, oil prices still affect you quite significantly as most things are shipped the last mile to stores using diesel. Uh, so prices on food and groceries and uh, electronics, everything can be affected by higher gas prices, and we are seeing that. Here's the story from Market Watch. Uh, it was written by Barbara Kohlmeyer and William Watts, and the headline says, Oil prices soar after Saudi Arabia leads coordinated OPEC plus cuts totaling more than 1 billion, 1 million, not billion, 1 million barrels a day. That's what happens when you start trying to pronounce the next word uh, too early. <laughs> So 1 million barrels a day. Um, so Saudi Arabia, as I'm sure a lot of you know, is the largest oil producer in the world. Uh, they have uh, vastly bigger re reserves under their feet there in Saudi Arabia than most other places in the world, at least other known deposits. The United States has a ton. Um, but then there are countries called OPEC. So OPEC is essentially a cartel of or uh, of countries that exists to fix the oil price. And so what they do is if the oil price starts getting too low, they can cut production to increase the price or if the price gets too high, they can increase the production to make more money. And so we're seeing right now that Saudi Arabia has led a, a decrease in oil production by a million barrels per day. That's because they were thinking the oil price is too low and they wish to increase it and make a little bit more money that way. And uh, we'll read the article. Oil futures surged after Saudi Arabia led a surprise oil production cut across several OPEC Plus member countries that will remove more than 1 million barrels of oil a day from output by May. In an announcement on Sunday, Saudi Arabia's Ministry of Energy stated that the kingdom will implement a voluntary cut of 500,000 barrels a day from May until the end of 2023 in conjunction with other countries. It said that the voluntary cut is in addition to the reduction in production agreed at an OPEC meeting in October and is a precautionary measure aimed at supporting the stability of the oil market. OPEC Plus agreed in October to cut production by 2 million barrels a day from November, a move that angered the Biden administration. So the Biden administration here in the United States would love to see lower oil prices because that's what directly affects the price per gallon of gasoline. Uh, so this will lead to a slight increase in gas prices. At, at the very least, it could be a major increase in gas prices for all I know. Um, and so they reduced theirs by 500,000 barrels a day. Russia looks like it's pr reducing its production by 500,000 barrels a day. Um, yeah, and so they, they're doing that, and they claim it's because of a period of high volatility and unpredictability, um, but really this only adds to that. And so they're coming in and trying to make a little bit more money by doing a little bit less work, increasing the price of oil. So look for your gas prices to be rising in the next few days, if not weeks. And so our final Bible verse uh, that goes with a new story uh, comes from Matthew 24 verses 6 to 7 and it says and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars see that you are not troubled 
For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. And so what we need to see is that this isn't necessarily an, uh, a signal or a sign of the end times, uh, but it is definitely something that uh, we need to look out for and be aware of and figure out how we can save some money to help offset the increased costs, costs that we will see from gasoline prices going up, especially as we go into the summer when gas prices tend to rise naturally as more people are out and about taking vacations. So definitely something to keep your eye on. Our, uh, oil, our gas prices will be increasing. All right, so something that I used to do when I was doing reaction videos is I would end every broadcast by reading two chapters from the Bible, one from the old and one from the new, and I will be continuing that. So I'm not going to be starting back again at Genesis 1. Uh, I will be starting where I left off uh, during those uh, broadcasts, and uh, you can go back. You can see all of my Bible readings that I've done on, uh, on my YouTube channel. They're all stored over there. Uh, you can go check them out. They're under different playlists, and you can re-watch them. But we'll be starting kind of in the, uh, not in the middle, but kind of at the beginning of Numbers. We're in Numbers chapter 7. Now it came to pass when Moses had finished setting up the tabernacle that he anointed it and consecrated it in all its furnishings, and the altar and all its utensils, so he anointed them and consecrated them. Then the leaders of Israel, the heads of their fathers' houses, who were the leaders of the tribes, and over those who were numbered, made an offering. And they brought their offering before the Lord, six covered carts and twelve oxen, a cart for every two of the leaders, and for each one an ox. And they presented them before the tabernacle. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Accept these from them, that they may be used in doing the work of the tabernacle of meeting, and you shall give them to the Levites to every man according to his service. So Moses took the carts and the oxen and gave them to the Levites. Two carts and four oxen he gave to the sons of Gershon, according to their service, and four carts and eight oxen he gave to the sons of Merari, according to their service, under the authority of Ithamar the son of Aaron the priest. But to the sons of Kohath he gave none, because theirs was the service of the holy things which they carried on their shoulders. Now the leaders offered the dedication offering for the altar when it was anointed. So the leaders offered their offering before the altar. For the Lord said to Moses, They shall offer their offering, one leader each day, for the dedication of the altar. And the one who offered his offering on the first day was Nashon, the son of Amminadab, from the tribe of Judah. His offering was one silver platter, the weight of which was one hundred and thirty shekels, one silver bowl of seventy shekels, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, both of them full of fine flour mixed with oil as a grain offering, one gold pan of ten shekels full of incense, one young bull, one ram, and one male lamb in its first year as a burnt offering, one kid of the goats as a sin offering, and for the sacrifice of peace offerings, two oxen, five rams, five male goats, and five male lambs in their first year. This was the offering of Nashon the son of Amminadab, on the second day, Nathanel, the son of Zuar, leader of Issachar, presented an offering. 
For his offering he offered one silver platter, the weight of which was one hundred and thirty shekels, one silver bowl of seventy shekels, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, both of them full of fine flour, mixed with oil as a grain offering, one gold pan of ten shekels, full of incense, one young bull, one ram, and one male lamb in its first year, as a burnt offering, one kid of the goats, as a sin offering, and as the sacrifice of peace offerings, two oxen, five rams, five male goats, and five male lambs, in their first year. This was the offering of Nethanel, the son of Zuar. On the third day, Eliab, the son of Helon, leader of the children of Zebulun, presented an offering. His offering was one silver platter, the weight of which was one hundred and thirty shekels, and one silver bowl of seventy shekels, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, both of them full of fine flour, mixed with oil as a grain offering, one gold pan of ten shekels full of incense, one young bull, one ram, and one male lamb in its first year, as a burnt offering, one kid of the goats as a sin offering, and for the sacrifice of peace offerings, two oxen, five rams, five male goats, and five male lambs in their first year. This was the offering of Eliab the son of Helon. On the fourth day, Elizer the son of Shedur, leader of the children of Reuben, presented an offering. His offering was one silver platter, the weight of which was one hundred and thirty shekels, one silver bowl of seventy shekels, according to the shekel of the sanctuary both of them full of fine flour mixed with oil as a grain offering, one gold pan of ten shekels full of incense, one young bull, one ram, one male lamb in its first year as a burnt offering, one kid of the goats as a sin offering, and as a sacrifice of peace offerings, two oxen, five rams, five male goats, five male lambs in their first year. This was the offering of Velizer, the son of Shedur. On the fifth day, Shalumiel, the son of Zurishaddai, leader of the children of Simeon, presented an offering. His offering was one silver platter, the weight of which was one hundred and thirty shekels, and one silver bowl of seventy shekels, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, both of them full of fine flour mixed with oil as a grain offering, one gold pan of ten shekels full of incense, one young bull, one ram, one male lamb in its first year as a burnt offering, one kid of the goats as a sin offering, and as the sacrifice of peace offerings, two oxen, five rams, five male goats, and five male lambs in their first year. This was the offering of Shilmiel, the son of Zurishaddai. On the sixth day, Eliasaph, the son of Duel, leader of the children of Gad, presented an offering. His offering was one silver platter, the weight of which was one hundred and thirty shekels, and one silver bowl of seventy shekels, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, both of them full of fine flour mixed with oil as a grain offering, one gold pan of ten shekels full of incense, one young bull, one ram, one male lamb in its first year as a burnt offering, one kid of the goats as a sin offering, and as a sacrifice of peace offerings, two oxen, five rams, five male goats, and five male lambs in their first year. This was the offering of Eliasaph, the son of Duel. On the seventh day, Elishema, the son of Amahud, leader of the children of Ephraim, presented an offering. His offering was one silver platter, the weight of which was one hundred and thirty shekels, one silver bowl of seventy shekels according to the shekel of the sanctuary, both of them full of fine flour mixed with oil as a grain offering, one gold pan of ten shekels full of incense, one young bull, one ram, and one male lamb in its first year as a burnt offering, one kid of the goats as a sin offering, and as a sacrifice of peace offerings, two oxen, five rams, five male goats, and five male lambs in their first year. This was the offering of Elishama the son of Amahud, on the eighth day, Gamaliel, the son of Pedazur, 
leader of the children of Manasseh, presented an offering. His offering was one silver platter, the weight of which was 130 shekels, and one silver bowl of 70 shekels, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, both of them full of fine flour mixed with oil as a grain offering, one gold pan of 10 shekels full of incense, one young bull, one ram, and one male lamb in its first year, as a burnt offering, one kid of the goats as a sin offering, and as a sacrifice of peace offerings, two oxen, five rams, five male goats, and five male lambs in their first year. This was the offering of Gamaliel, the son of Pedazur. On the ninth day, Abaddon, the son of Gideoni, leader of the children of Benjamin, presented an offering. His offering was one silver platter, the weight of which was 130 shekels, and one silver bowl of 70 shekels, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, both of them full of fine flour with mixed with oil as a grain offering, one gold pan of 10 shekels full of incense, one young bull, one ram, and one male lamb in its first year as a burnt offering, one kid of the goats as a sin offering, and as the sacrifice of peace offerings, two oxen, five rams, five male goats, and five male lambs in their first year. This was the offering of Abidon, the son of Gideoni. On the tenth day, Ahiezer, the son of Amishadai, leader of the children of Dan, presented an offering. His offering was one silver platter, the weight of which was 130 shekels, one silver bowl of 70 shekels according to the shekel of the sanctuary, both of them full of fine flour mixed with oil as a grain offering, one gold pan of 10 shekels full of incense, one young bull, one ram, and one male lamb in its first year as a burnt offering, one kid of the goats as a sin offering, and, the and as the sacrifice of peace offerings, two oxen, five rams, five male goats, and five male lambs in their first year. This was the offering of Ahiezer the son of Emishadai. On the eleventh day, Pagiel the son of Ochran, leader of the children of Asher, presented an offering. His offering was one silver platter, the weight of which was 130 shekels, and one silver bowl of 70 shekels according to the shekel of the sanctuary, both of them full of fine flour mixed with oil as a grain offering one gold pan of ten shekels full of incense, one young bull, one ram, and one male lamb in its first year, as a burnt offering, one kid of the goats, as a sin offering, and as a sacrifice of peace offerings, two oxen, five rams, five male goats, and five male lambs in their first year. This was the offering of Pagiel, the son of Ochran. On the twelfth day, Ahira, the son of Enon, leader of the children of Naphtali, presented an offering. His offering was one silver platter, the weight of which was 130 shekels, and one silver bowl of 70 shekels, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, both of them full of fine flour mixed with oil as a grain offering, one gold pan of 10 shekels full of incense, one young bull, one ram, and one male lamb in its first year, as a burnt offering, one kid of the goats as a sin offering, and as a sacrifice of peace offerings, two oxen, five rams, five male goats, and five male lambs in their first year. This was the offering of Ahira, the son of Anan. This was the dedication offering for the altar from the leaders of Israel. When it was anointed, twelve silver platters, twelve silver bowls, and twelve gold pans. Each silver platter weighed 130 shekels, and each bowl 70 shekels. All the silver of the vessels weighed 2,400 shekels, according to the shekel of the sanctuary. The twelve gold pans full of incense weighed ten shekels apiece, according to the shekel of the sanctuary. All the gold of the pans was weighed. All of the gold of the pans weighed one hundred and twenty shekels. All the oxen for the burnt offering were twelve young bulls, the rams, twelve, the male lambs in their first year, twelve, with their grain offering, and the kids of the goats as a sin offering, twelve. 
and all the oxen for the sacrifice of peace offerings were twenty-four bulls, the rams sixty, the male goats sixty, and the lambs in their first year sixty. This was the dedication offering for the altar after it was anointed. Now when Moses went into the tabernacle of meeting to speak with him, he heard the voice of one speaking to him from above the mercy seat that was on the ark of the testimony from between the two cherubim. Thus he spoke to him. All right, so our second Bible chapter is going to come from, to us from Acts 20. And it says, After the uproar had ceased, Paul called the disciples to himself, embraced them, and departed to go to Macedonia. Now when he had gone over that region and encouraged them with many words, he came to Greece and stayed three months. And when the Jews plotted against him as he was about to sail to Syria, he decided to return through Macedonia. And Sopater of Berea accompanied him to Asian, also Aristarchus and Secundus of the Thessalonians, and Gaius of Derby, and Timothy and Tychicus of Trophimus of Asia. These men going ahead waited for us at Troas, but we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread, and in five days joined them at Troas, where we stayed seven days. Now on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul, ready to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued his message Continued his message until midnight. There were many lamps in the upper room where they were gathered together. In a window sat a certain young man named Eutychus, who was sinking into a deep sleep. He was overcome by sleep, and as Paul continued speaking, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. But Paul went down, fell on him, and embracing him said, Do not trouble yourselves, for his life is in him. Now when he had come up, had broken bread and eaten, and talked a long while, even till daybreak, he departed. And they brought the young man in alive, and they were not a little comforted. Then we went ahead to the ship and sailed to Assus, where, intending to take Paul on board, for so he had given orders, intending himself to go on foot. And when he met us at Assus, we took him on board and came to Mytilene. We sailed from there, and the next day came opposite Chios. The following day we arrived at Samos and stayed at Trogolium. The next day we came to Miletus, for Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus so that he would not have to spend time in Asia, for he was hurrying to be at Jerusalem, if possible, on the day of Pentecost. From Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church, and when they had come to him he said to them, You know from the first day that I came to Asia, in what manner I always lived among you, serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews, how I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you, and taught you publicly from house to house, testifying to Jews and also to Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And see, now I go, bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my, my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy, and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And indeed, now I know that you all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God will see my face no more. Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, 
to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves men will rise up, speaking perverse things, to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. Yes, you yourselves know that these hands have provided for my necessities and for those who were with me. I have shown you in every way, by laboring like this, that you must support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, that he said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. Then they all wept freely and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spoke, that they would see his face no more. And they accompanied him to the ship. All right, thank you for joining me today for AIIW News, episode 11 for April 3rd, 2023. I'm so happy that you joined me. And I hope that you have a wonderful week as you get back to work and get back into the swing of things. Goodbye.